We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spins away, baseline shot, Shea puts it in, and walks it off in OKC. Giddy keeps it himself and takes it up as he glides with the finger roll. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are coming to you live Wednesday, September 20th. We're less than three weeks away from NBA preseason basketball. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Nick Crane and Taylor Peterson with me tonight. But more importantly, we've got a special guest tonight, friend of the program, Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report and the Hardwood Knox podcast joining us tonight. Dan, you came on this show about a year ago oh, wow. and got a lot, a lot of friends, a lot of fans. I was going to say already in the comments, they're excited. I'm, I'm one, excited that people are excited. I'm also a little bit surprised because there was some pushback on Twitter from a lot of Thunder fans, I assume, started following me only because of this show um, as we were entering and going through the offseason. I was not like, and I listened to, I don't know if it was one or two episodes ago, the over-under bit you guys did. I was not like Bill Simmonsing it, but um, I was not. The honeymoon phase might be over between, I would remain very high on the Thunder, but I think it's, as you guys clarified, too high on the Thunder, I might be. <laughs> well, we will get into all of that tonight. Um we're going to go over some kind of broader strokes of the Thunder with Dan, get a little more specific, and then to end the show, we have a game that everybody's going to play. Should be a fun time. Uh, Dan, we, we, again, just can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight. And as soon as we get done recording this episode, we're going to flip-flop. We're doing a little home-and-home home tonight. So not only can you hear Dan talking Thunder here on The Uncontested, but we're doing a Hardwood Knox ep right after this one where you can listen to more Thunder content. Criminal that we haven't done the home and home sooner, which mostly falls on me. Well, we are super excited. Uh, I, I think it's our Hardwood Knox debut coming Twice up here in, a, here in about an hour. Um, to be fair, Olivia is pretty cool, so it's understandable. But <laughs> I, I hope we're not so bad that we don't get the invite back. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Dan, to start us off tonight, I wanted to start with some big picture stuff. Uh, we've heard Nick and Taylor's opinions on all of these things numerous times. So I'm going to let you take the floor here for a minute. 
again, last time we talked to you was at the beginning of last season. So now that the 2022-2023 season is over, we're about to start the next season. Just what was your overall impressions from the Thunder last year? Uh, Standout players, um, themes of the season, whatever you want to go with. But what was your overall takeaway from the team as last season wrapped up with the Thunder losing in the second playing game? I think the one word description I've used to, to describe it is smitten just by what they've built, the development that they got from just so many guys. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is just, we're not talking about just like a star. It's like a caps lock mega star now to top five of MVP voting is a really, really big deal. And I don't think people kind of understand that and first team all NBA, what that means. He then goes and kills it basically in FIBA. And it's like, Oh, does he have a next year somehow after making first team all NBA? And I think what was even more impressive, because I I think a lot of people were high on Shea. I know you guys were high on Shea. I was high on Shea. I was not a believer in Josh Giddy, And I think that was the development that kind of floored me the most. was just like, oh, there's a connection between him. He knows how to work off Shea Gilgis-Alexander now. Oh, he's getting to the basket even more, even though he's not the best finisher. finisher. Oh, like the floater's a, a real weapon. And he came along, I think, so well especially when you're just looking at the percentages i saw i can't remember what podcast i was listening to or they called him like a defensive sieve i don't see it like i don't think like i i don't think he's some lockdown defender but just his size and his rebounding like he has value on defense so that's i think the player that stood out the most to me because i just wasn't expecting him to make that kind of comprehensive leap and then also of course like i didn't know a lot about either of the Jalen Williams is coming in J will and J dub. And then for both of them to come out and it's J dub looks like, Oh, is that guy a future all-star? And then you have J will who's just like, Oh yeah, I'll take a million charges. And like, yeah, I'll jack some threes. And it's like, no, no, he's a real player. So there was a lot of that going on for me as I was watching them. And I think the other thing that didn't, the final thing that didn't, well, two things didn't receive enough credit. Poku really found some stuff last season before he got hurt. Like he just looked more complimentary, but two, even SGA's defense, which is like, I know the Thunder do a really good job of insulating what he's doing, who he's going up against. I have not seen him defend that well, I think, since his rookie season with the Clippers. Maybe I'm misremembering how his debut season in OKC with CP3 and Dennis Schroeder was. Uh, but I just like to have someone who was that all around dominant for you. Um, this team is just. I try to pump the brakes when we're looking for a team that stands out one season to the next. It's like, okay, regression can happen or growth isn't linear. But with this team, when you just go through the roster and the individual growth for the most part that they have and the depth of talent, it's almost impossible for me to look at it and be low or be a pessimist on what they're they're going to do. When you get into the over-under for next season, when you're looking at the state of the West, which should be harder this year. So the word I would use again to describe is just, smitten by the thunder both in the short and long term nick taylor any thoughts on any of that i love that a lot i love what you said about josh giddy um and and that's something i think that you know heading into the season dan like when we did our our preseason predictions we talked a lot about how do shay and giddy look uh and how do they play alongside each other as the season progresses and honestly, like weirdly enough, I still have that. I felt like you said, I felt great about it after the season, but I still have that same question heading into this season again, because they're both taking leaps of their own, right? Obviously not on the same level, but how does that look now that each of them have developed, like, especially after watching them in FIBA and Josh had a little more of an on-ball role, uh, a featured role with Team Australia. Like, how does that look again this season? And especially when you add in like a connector 
like a and more than that but i think a a chet holmgren will kind of connect those two that could be really exciting and also like as i continue continue to progress like it could be a concern moving forward as well so that's why it's still a question for me heading into the season but I'm, i'm glad that you've come around on getty a little bit yeah, I mean that's a that's a fair point. I've always wondered though if like the the players who are in FIBA and are from like the international teams are just better at tamping down their roles once they get into the NBA. Where like you look at someone with Brandon Ingram, where you displace him from the ball in FIBA and he's just like a net zero basically. Um, but like when you see the guys coming from these international teams, where when they even came over, they were used to being on ball or had all this agency. They weren't necessarily guaranteed that role upon coming into the NBA. And even as their careers developed, they were still ceding touches to like other guys. And so I've always wondered, maybe this applies to Giddy where it's, yeah, he'll do that in FIBA or he can do that. If you're going to look at units where maybe him and Chet roll without SGA, but perhaps he's just more comfortable, like manipulating or, or I should say adapting his game to the personnel around him. Something I'm curious about and something I can really appreciate about what you do is, is a, it's super hard to follow the entire NBA and cover the NBA. Like you do. Um, there's a lot of really good national people out there that cover the league as a whole. And they know the top three or four players and some of these young rebuilding teams, but they don't know the, the roster top to bottom, like you do for every team in the league. Um, is there anybody that's kind of like middle end of the roster from last season that like really, really impressed you that the average NBA fan that doesn't follow the thunder specifically should know about that that popped out to you and impressed you last season? I think there's probably two, and Usman Jang is one of them. I was, I, I loved him coming out of the draft, and then he comes in, he has the wrist stuff, and I think that kind of made his debut season stop and start. But there's like, that's someone who's, what is he, nine feet tall now? Whatever he is. He just knows how to use his length. Um, and defensively, like as a, like a help rim protector, a primary rim protector, was really fun to watch him. And then when, when you see him on offense, I don't necessarily know what he is on offense, but there's like a real passing feel there, whether it's you're putting the ball in his hands or he's making passes off movement. And so I think we look back on this season coming up and view Usman Jang as like sort of that forgotten, I don't know if you want to call, call him a core piece, but I could see all of us nationally be like, oh, like hell, the Thunder have Usman Jang too. And so that's what I'm expecting from him. Any other one? Um I felt like he became mainstream, but that might just say more about who I follow on Twitter and who I listen to, like you guys on podcasts. Isaiah Joe, just like kind of flying around all over the place. And it's, yeah, okay, the shooting, which did taper off at one point, but it's like, let's look at how he's getting to the shooting, where he's flying around. Like, this is someone who is setting screens. And like, I thought he competed defensively as well. And so like, those are two guys. I'm very interested to see what Usman Jang's role is in the larger context of this roster, because I do feel like his offensive skill set is harder to fit in. But as of right now, when you look at this Thunder team, Isaiah Joe's feels mission critical to really opening up their offense. And I think that's a name. If people are going to watch more of the Thunder this year compared to last, that maybe they'll be taken aback, or at least they'll start to remember this guy. So Dan, you made the joke is Usman Jang nine feet tall. I don't know if you've seen the photo, but a lot of Thunder players are back in market now and they did a, we'll call it like a community outreach event where they went to a fire station and it was Chet, Usman Jang, Keontae George, who was not Keontae George, I'm sorry, Keontae Johnson, who was their second round pick this year. Um, and then who's the fourth? Ken Rich. Ken Rich Williams, yes. And in the photo, Usman Jang is standing next to six foot eleven. Olivier Saar. They're the same size. 
<laughs> yeah, I had someone DM me and tell me that Usman Jang was seven feet, like a legit seven foot. Wouldn't shock me. And so when, as soon as I got that DM, I think it was earlier this summer, I like quote tweeted something from Big Bird that I had seen like months ago where it was like Usman Jang in January where it's like I'm eight feet seven or something because that's just like, what was he listed coming in? It's six, eight or six, nine or whatever. Like to have that two or three inch like growth spurt since entering the NBA, that's just, and what he can do with the ball. Like it's just like this wing or this guard type with the ball just seven feet. I did not see that picture and I really want to now. The, the picture is incredible because it kind of proves to you that Jang is a legit 6'11", maybe 7 foot. And the best part of it is Chet, Chet Holmgren half a head four. taller than both of them. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's just it, it was wild. Yeah, with I think they still list him at whatever he's listed at. Like I, the, the Kevin Durant, where it's like, oh, Kevin Durant's not 6'8". We just watched him stand next to that one board like Dwight Howard or like yeah. go bear that one time or whatever. Right. Let's, let's keep him, make him shorter than he actually is. Everyone's trying to get taller. Ujman Jang wants to look at, make it look like he's shorter. Uh, Dan, let's flip to the other side of the coin. So we talked about kind of what you saw last year, uh, your impressions. Recently on two podcasts, we did a best case scenario and worst case scenario for this upcoming Thunder season, omitting injuries. Obviously, if Shea goes down, knock on everything around me, the season blows up for OKC. Injuries excluded. Where would you put the ceiling, the most realistic, like high outcome ceiling and the lowest of low floor injuries off for the Thunder this season. I think best case is like they have that sort of meteoric Grizzlies like leap to, oh, did they just finish second or third in, in the West? And that's just everyone stays healthy. Chet's making an impact, helping open up the floor right off the bat. You get another step from Giddy. You don't see a sophomore slump from Jalen Williams. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is just as good. Maybe he's taken more than negative three-point attempts per game. Um, and your offense really opens up through, through that. And I, I think, I don't know how reachable that is, but like if we're omitting health and you look at sort of the developmental arc of a lot of these players now, there wasn't anything like super incendiary about the growth of any individual on this team. Like Josh Giddy got a lot better. None of it was unbelievable though. It's like, Oh, okay. He shot what? 34.1% on catch and shoot threes. Like that's a, that's a believable number when most of them were, were wide open. So yeah, it's a huge increase over his rookie year, but you're working off such a, a low baseline. So that feels like their best case is this team just won 50 games. They're close to the top half of the West top half, of the Western conference. And it, we're not talking about them as just a playoff team. We're analyzing them through the lens of, can they win a playoff series? And that's, it feels like where they're at again, best case right now. You kind of nailed it. So we did a, a two part podcast, one with kind of the most realistic best case scenario and most realistic worst case scenario. And we said just some highlights, top four seeding heading into the playoffs, which is what you just kind of mentioned. Like, like that 50 wins would be incredible. Uh, Shay top three MVP candidate, which maybe we'll get into later. Uh, Chet top two and rookie of the year. But like you mentioned, just Chet, you know, playing a huge role for this team and staying healthy. Giddy taking another step. Uh, I put it as borderline all-star, but again, like him just making that that next leap, I think would be really impressive. And then Jada, like how does he fit into all this? You know, we we talked a lot about it earlier, both Shay and Giddy, how they play alongside each other this season, but you also have J-Dub to throw into that mix, as you kind of mentioned as well. And then Oost taking a step, maybe contributing. Uh, Lou limiting threes. You know that one. 
And I'm like, Mitch, it's such a wild card too. Uh, th- that's another one that we had. Anyways, I just I wanted to mention those because you literally nailed just about all the ones that we had already mentioned. I'm like, I'm hoping I wasn't just like overly influenced by listening to that because I remember. <laughs> okay, I remember if you listen to I, it, then maybe. But <laughs> I remember the worst case scenario that you guys outlined like very yeah. vividly in my mind right now. I can't necessarily remember the best case, so I, I don't have anything to add to like the worst case. The way that you guys mapped it out was just like. Hey, not everyone, like not everyone's going to continue their upward trajectory every season. And what if, what if Shea is like the, uh, the 15th or 17th best player rather than the eighth, like, or uh, in the league, like that's a, you know, that's a small drop, but it's like the gap between the, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, eighth best player in the league and the 17th is, is pretty big. What if Giddy's shooting falls off? What if Chet is just like his minutes need to be limited and he doesn't have the, he doesn't open up the floor on offense or he doesn't. He's not as impactful on the defensive end because that's really hard for rookies. Like, who's the last rookie that came in and just dominated defensively? I mean, it's probably Evan Mobley, actually. So, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Um, it's like those expectations Still, are high. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is just, and I'm pretty sure you guys mentioned this, like just looking at the rest of the West too can contribute to the worst case scenario because it's if the, you know, if the Lakers and the Warriors are, are healthier, um, you know, if the Pelicans who are already injured again, but like what if Zion Williamson plays in, 60 something games. Um, you could just see a lot of teams ascend a little bit more quickly than the Thunder because those teams, the way they went about their off seasons or the talent that was already in place, like they've been more aggressive in trying to get those wins than the Thunder, who have made it very clear, both through their actions and their words, that hey, we're going to take the more gradual approach here. And I do wonder if I don't know if this can contribute to the worst case scenario. And it was a question I'll I'll be asking you guys on Hardwood Knox. Like, what if Mark Dagnold or the Thunder, who's ever issuing the mandate, like says, like, no, we're still going to, like, kind of futz and fiddle with this rotation a bunch where, like, certain guys aren't necessarily guaranteed minutes and we're not going to tighten it up to even 10 guaranteed names per night. Does that do anything to just the fluidity and the chemistry of this team? I don't I mean, they did well in those circumstances last year, but how does that fare this year when you have guys who probably want to do more looking at Giddy and J-Dub and then you're trying to integrate Chet Holmgren into the fold as well. And so I've given that a lot of thought over the past couple of weeks. Dan, question I, for you, because you kind of kicked off the show talking about giddy expectations coming into last season. Um, last year, he averaged 16, 8, and 6, roughly. Um, when you become a premier team in the West, like let's say best case, you know, the top four or five seed, um, you generally have a good chance of getting two All-Stars. So my question is, whether it's what do the Thunder have to do to get that second all-star and would it be Giddy? But on the flip side of that, what would Giddy have to do for you to sit here and say, you know what, Josh Giddy's an all-star this year? Oh, man. That's a great question. Honestly, I don't know specifically, but I think if we look and he's just shooting like, I don't know, like 36% from three and like you see his mid-range and floater percentages tick up a little bit or maybe he's getting to the basket just as much. Um, and that's something about him is I don't think even watching him sometimes, I don't realize how much often he gets to the basket. Just he's getting there because he's this big body and he's pretty strong. He's just not the best finisher right now. So if his finishing kind of improves there, and if you're seeing him do all of this and like playing off the ball, being efficient in lineups that have all these other mouths to feed where it's, oh, we don't have to worry about staggering, you know, giddy and Chet from SGA and, and J-Dub. Like, you can play all those four together, maybe even with Lou Dort or someone else in there, and it's everyone just looks great, and we want to 
we don't want to change up our rotations on a nightly basis because our top five is so good. Um, there are definitely harder players, I think, to fit in certain lineups when you look at this roster, but like Giddy, how central he technically could be. Um, if he did something like that, even in a West that has, you know, a bunch of talented guards and maybe they'll have one fewer depending on what happens with Dame, like that, that'll be, it's not, I would say it's not outside the realm of possibility, even if I would consider it a long shot. And I think a lot of those things you just mentioned, like he can get better at. I think a lot of people forget because he's going into year three. This kid won't be 21 till next month. <sighs> really? He's, he's five, he's five months wild. younger than Chet Holmgren. He's the, I think he's only separated by Brandon Miller by a couple of weeks, maybe. Jeez. Yeah, like he's a child. <laughs> yeah. And so when you look at other guys in the league who are that age, like putting up 16, 8, and 8 last year is, as a 20-year-old is, is pretty phenomenal. And so I think a lot of people kind of forget how young he is because he's already been in the league two years. And like you mentioned, progression isn't linear. But when you look at this kid, like there's a lot of room for growth, both basketball skill and I think like body as well. I, I believe it was last year preseason, Coach Dagnall said they think Josh can play at like 240. And if he's a 6'9, 240 point forward at that point, I mean, it, it, it unlocks so many other things about his game. It's, I could go for days and days and days about Josh. Let's take our first break of the night. On the other side, we're going to get a little deeper into some of these bigger Thunder themes with Dan. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are back. So, Dan, I want to dive in a little bit deeper into this Thunder roster now with you. Back at the beginning of the summer, uh, you had done a few podcasts where you had mentioned that you didn't think the Thunder would be super active in free agency, but you wanted to see them go out and do a little bit of something. Do you mind going a little more into depth on your reasoning why you wanted the Thunder to be more active 
in free agency and using their cap space, which they had a lot of, uh, it's all gone now, uh, and they didn't necessarily use it on signing players. But your your reasoning behind why you wanted them to use that cap space, and who were some free agent targets this summer that you thought would have fit well with OKC, where if you were in charge, maybe you would have kicked the tires and seen if you could have gone out and got. Yeah, so I think the first part of it is definitely the national media person. Shea Gilders Alexander was just a top 10 player. And it's so like, he is your timeline cater to that. The bigger thing for me was, and I guess it's twofold, is, okay, you were actually just really good. And that was without Chet. And so now you're getting Chet back. And the other thing is, this roster is not going to have this type of flexibility forever. We've already kind of started to see them plan around their draft pick situation, which is really smart, kind of changing out imminent draft picks for these later picks just because they have so many. Like, you have to strike at some point with this flexibility. And I'm not, like, do I think that there are certain stars out there that would be a great fit? For the Thunder, it would be really fun. Absolutely, but I would never expect them to cash in their chips in that direction, especially now. I was thinking more along the lines of, and this is where I actually got the most pushback, was like, get some guys in here who maybe are like your fifth or sixth best players, but like they're helping you win right now because I'm also a big believer over the past couple of years and like the experience of getting to the postseason, of either winning a series or almost winning a series or playing in a series absolutely matters. So sign someone without torpedoing your flexibility or your team makeup who can help get you to that point. And I thought even in a relatively shallow market, there were names out there that could have done that and names that sprang to mind. And I'll also say I've criticized a lot of other teams for this, mostly the Spurs this summer, like the moves you're making, unless they're can't miss when you're talking about these salary dumps or the assets that are attached to them, go make other teams F up their books. Why did no one poison pill Austin Reeves? I did not think the Thunder should have been that team. I want to make that clear. So I wasn't crazy about his fit on this team in case they said no. But like, go drive up those offers. And so now I'm looking specifically at, like, why weren't you the team that was just ready to be like, hey, Brooke Lopez, here's like crazy amounts of money. Like Houston did that to the point where Milwaukee gave him way more, I heard, than they were planning on. And then also it's, look at kind of the prices that Grant Williams or PJ Washington went for. And those were two names that I had had circled for for the Thunder, where, yeah, they're probably your fourth, fifth best player, whatever. Like, that can ac- ab- absolutely help you. They open up the floor, both of them. Um, Grant Williams, a lot of defensive optionality, even though he's smaller. I think P.J. Washington, especially with the Thunder's perimeter personnel, would have been fine in some of their frontline lineups. They like to trend small anyway. I would have liked to have seen them do something like that, especially when you do look at what they did with their cap space, where it was like, hey, even if you didn't end up with these guys and you only succeeded in making Charlotte pay more or you were sort of this stalking horse in the negotiations between Dallas and Boston or something. If you missed out on moving up two spots to get case and Wallace, all the caveat being, if you think case and Wallace is that dude, I guess I can't argue with you, but I look at the makeup of this roster and it's like, you have Josh Giddy and there's Lou Dort and there's SGA. And there's just like all these other guard types. What's the pathway to him being that dude on this team. And so that's what I really wanted to see them do. And if they weren't going to do that, I do wish that like, could you've gotten someone who I view as more helpful on the trade market. Like to me, the Reggie Bullock salary dump would have done more for the Thunder than the Davis Bertans one. If you believe that they're going to take that number, use it to then flip it for a bigger player. Okay, fine. But then you're also running counter to your point to me of I'm telling, I'm believing that they should make these aggressive moves now. And you're saying, no, we have to wait, but they're planning on making that move within the next few months, like before, they either have to guarantee the rest of his contract next summer if they want to move him as a big number, 
So that's where I just thought it was. It's not a miss on their part, but I did think it was the logic outside of the organization that was used to kind of justify how they did stuff with their cap space. I just thought it was a little inconsistent. I like it. Nick Taylor, anything? No, I think it's, I mean, you make great points and it's just what you do with your cap space is always the question. I think the surface level thinker is, you know, go spend it on players. And I think Sam Presti's level of thinking has always been very different. And I think he, Jacob, may have alluded to that in his, his postseason press conference and like cap space is an asset and you can use it a bunch of different ways. So, um, I don't know. I, I think I think there there could have been better avenues to use it, but I'm not necessarily anti anything he did. I don't think you are either, Dan. Um, but it's 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 always interesting to see how Sam uses those kind of assets. It's it's very unorthodox relative to other teams like Houston, complete opposite. And not to like completely transition us to something that we'll get into later in the podcast here, but uh, just on that, like you see some of these contracts, like you mentioned the Bertans contract, Dan, and also the Victor Oladipo contract like it, it, but there's only so many roster spots you can have on this <laughs> on, on a team and uh, some of these players are going to get cut and so I, I I think revisiting this conversation after Sam does make those cuts will be fascinating to see like did you just to your point use assets on a Victor Oladipo for example for no reason just to end up cutting it I mean not for no reason. You got some second round picks, but you end up cutting him. Or do you like value that contract, that number to trade for a player kind of like you're talking about rather than, and, and then you end up cutting somebody different um, if, if that makes any sense. So no, you, I, I agree. You raised some really good points. And I think a lot of moves to be had before the Thunder season actually begins. I will say I'm still convinced. No one I've pulled people. They think I'm an idiot, but I'm convinced that the Victor Oladipo deal it's just part of a larger mechanism of like when they renegotiate that pick with Miami that like that was going Ooh. to be like tangentially related to that, but it had to be done separately because the Dame deal was never going to align with that timeline. Uh, there's no one I found that believes that as I do, but I'm, I still remain convinced. <laughs> I, love I love, I love that. We've talked a lot about that pick on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, moving from free agency to trade options, uh, a big narrative around national NBA personalities right now is that the Thunder are ready and they have the assets to make a quote-unquote big-time trade. Uh, Zach Lowe, Ramona Shelburne, uh, Chris Mannix, although the Chris Mannix uh, narrative of the Thunder are playing good, they should trade for Dame Lillard, which is kind of the antithesis of what they should do. All our young guys are great, so let's trade all of them for one old guy. Just doesn't add up. We don't have to dive down that rabbit hole. My Could question for, for you. Just if it's yeah. like when we know what Miami's best offer could theoretically be, and there's a scenario in which you're keeping J Dub, Chet Holmgren, SGA, maybe even at least one of Giddy or Jang while you're getting Dame, is that not at least worth considering? Like if it's just mostly draft equity and salary filler you're giving up, is that, and I know you get into, okay, well, matching that number now. It's a little bit like it's tricky when you're looking at sort of their salary distributions. But if if that's a scenario, I agree with you. I don't I think Damon SGA would be a great fit, by the way. I have not advocated, I don't think, for the Thunder to go after Damian Lord. I've not been one. I would be so intrigued to see it. But like if that's like the price, like I just, you know, I, I get and I do wonder for having 
I've also wondered like how much is Chet just not playing last year like factor into all of this? Like, are we having a different discussion if they're like, oh, we have this sample size of Chet yeah. Holmgren to work off? Of? I think that's exactly you nailed it. it. I, nailed I do it. wonder. I mean, you you probably more of a cap guy than I am, but another narrative, not to change the narrative we're talking about now, but if Giddy and Dub and Chet are as good as we think, that's a lot of max contracts coming down the line in two, three years. Do you want that much money on your books? It's not just like Dame's owed a lot of money. It's it's a lot of money for a long time. I I would agree with you if you're certain at the time that those guys are max players. And it's like Dame would give you the optionality of, okay, well, if they're not max players, like his, and you, but they want max money or they're going to get a number that you don't want to pay, it makes it a little bit more palatable to, to move off of them. Um, but that's certainly fair to wonder. But I'm, I'm team whenever it comes to anything, especially the luxury tax, it's you figure it out when you get to that point. And they're clearly just, they're not there yet. The Zach Lowe in the room in a Shelburne wasn't really about Dame as much as all of the Giannis smoke that is out there now, which is a different beast that there would have to be an agreement to play there and an extension signed. Uh, he's not under contract for as long. But Dame, my question for you is, where do you fall in this spectrum of the Thunder should make the trade? Uh, I think it was Zach Lowe said, it's not an if, but a when the Thunder cash out, which I thought was interesting. So where do you fall on this spectrum? And give us some names of a, of a few players who, A, could possibly become available at some time, let's say over the next 18 months, and B, would fit this this team, I guess, I can't think of a better word for it right now, this this style that the Thunder are trying to build. Uh, so a, where do you fall on the spectrum and what types of players who might be available? Like spit out a few names that you think might fit. So when it comes to the matter of if not when, I would agree, but not in the sense of, I think when him and Ramona were talking about it, it was under the guise of like Josh Giddy is going to the, be the piece that they move. And I'm just not convinced that when they cash their chips in, that we're talking about a bunch of tangible bodies that were moved. Like maybe it's an Usman Jang or like one of the players on that tier right now and Lou Dort as salary filler. But I'm just not convinced that after watching what Giddy did last season. Yeah. If you asked me this last year, I absolutely would have said like, yeah, great Giddy, like do it. <laughs> but like Giddy, Holmgren, SGA and Jalen Williams, the thing about the Thunders, they don't need to move any of those guys to make a blockbuster trade. And so I do think they will eventually cash their chips in. But when people are talking about the players involved, where it's like J-Dub or even Chet Homer, like, I don't think any of those four would necessarily be involved. Because at this point, why do the Thunder even want another guard? Um, so like, why are you looking to upgrade from Giddy necessarily? Maybe something happens this season that changes that. But as of now, so I do agree with the sentiment, but I feel like the we've maybe too many of us have become like laser focused on like, well, it's going to be this way. Like they're going to trade a couple of their young guys in addition to picks. I'm just not sold that it's that route. When you're looking at names, um, I'm if Giannis becomes available, like, yes, but there's also like the element of, I don't want the ball coming out of the hands of Shea Gilgis Alexander ever. And just Giannis is a generational player. One of the best basketball players I've ever watched. The Thunder could probably facilitate his, moving to off the ball even more. 
But like he can be a playoff liability on offense. Like we've seen it. And the Thunder, they're not necessarily working with pristine spacing right now. So I think you have to be cognizant of what you give up. I also just don't think he becomes available. I don't think what he said is noise, but that feels like a little bit too far down the line. And also one that I don't know if he's the type of guy that requests her out. Like you let it, you ride it out with Kevin Durant, you ride it out with LeBron James, unless Giannis demands a trade. I don't know why you would flip him. That would be like shocking. Um, I've also wondered like, what is the tier of superstar that this team needs to reach the level that it wants to get to? Um, does it need to be a cap, another caps lock superstar? Or if you're this sure and this certain in your young core, what, what about Mikhail Bridges on this team? Like that's just a name in Brooklyn where it's like, I don't think he's going to come even close to finishing his contract there. They are, they are eventually going to have to hit a rebuilding point. So that's a name I've thought a lot about for the thunder. Um, other ones that would be interesting, I thought Cat would be interesting until I saw Chet in Summer League, and I'm like, oh, no, like, just a five. Like, you don't need to put a Very good point. So I would still look at it, but, like, the number's huge, and if he's playing Chet's best position, like, that just doesn't make any sense. I think when you're looking at the archetype of player, I'd probably rather rather see them have, like, a combo three, four, two, three, four, like a wing is the type they need to go after. And right now, like, that future star request trade market feels pretty sparse. Uh, Luca doesn't even really fit that bill because he's a point guard. Jalen Brown would be interesting here. Uh, the you know, people are worried about Dame's contract. Like, how do you feel about Jalen Brown's uh yeah. contract? So that's a number you would have to factor into your your future planning. But Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brown were like the two immediate names where it's like, no, they're not the caps lock superstars. But the way we're talking about the Thunder right now, I don't know if that's what they actually need. Like, they can be a little. There's more optionality for them, I think, on the trade market. I think you're spot on there. Uh, I do like those two names. We did talk about Jalen just a little bit, uh, not necessarily seriously before he signed that, obviously a big contract or contract extension. But I have two names for all three of you, really. That I kind of want to pick your guys' brains on. One of them is pretty flashy. The other one's not quite as flashy, um, but I still think it would take quite a bit to get this particular team to to give up on this player or and, and to trade this player. Uh, so that player is Devin Vassell. For the Spurs, I just think he'd be so great for this Thunder team. But given where the Spurs are, right, like they're in a very similar spot, maybe just a few steps behind, if you can even say that when you draft Victor Wembanyama. But for all those reasons, I think it would take a lot to get the sell away from the Spurs. But with the Thunder's assets, it could maybe be had if they're willing to overpay. You're talking to the right. I love Devin Vassell. I was. We did an exercise in Hardwood Knox where it was over under. 0.5 all-star games that he makes and i just took the over like i'm i know a lot of people think he is what he is but like there's more ball skills there i think he's gonna grow defensively and his off-ball movement and shooting is uh improved too so that would be are the spurs scared of what they're gonna have to pay him in an extension and think it's moving a little too quickly with Wemby's timeline maybe that would be i didn't right. even think of that. i would love love him there i'm a big Jacob. guy as well i like I'm him a big guy I wouldn't. I wouldn't do the. I mean, like you mentioned, to get any probably have to overpay. I don't know right. if he's a guy I overpay for. Just given the roster constructs, we talked about how many guys do the kind of things he does in the Thunder team. Not not to discount what he does because he does a lot of things. It's just like, do you need to do that if you're the Thunder? <laughs> do you have? Uh, I don't want to say a Devin Vassell player on this roster, but could some of these young guys actually develop into a similar role? I think that's a fair point. But the, the next one, this is a flashy one. I want to run by you guys. I'm already no. If and it's again, flash, if if the flashy I know, Taylor player, I, I oh gosh. know, I know, I know. And again, like the, it, it does not fit a need for this team. Don't say Trey Young. 
but it, no, not Trey. You okay. gross. Say, you don't want Damian Lillard and you want Trey Young. We're gonna right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Agreed. But he kind of fits the epitome of what this this team is building towards. Kind of like what Jacobs alluded to. What we asked you a lot about, Dan. I've never heard in my life. <laughs> Lamelo Ball. I feel like, uh, Lamelo. I feel like I'm reading that epilogue, I, the Lord of the Rings, right now. <laughs> Jesus. I, I actually love the idea of Lamelo and SGA, but like, if you want to keep giddy oh you're not keeping like, giddy mellow your six no man. way you're keeping giddy yeah, in this situation yeah. <laughs> i don't see that i don't see how that that fits i thought you were gonna go one name that's really popular amongst senator fans is pascal siakam gross old oh. i love siakam i just don't <laughs> love his fit i mean yeah, chet opens up a lot but i just don't love his fit on this team the two names that i didn't say and I didn't want to say, but I and this fan base already it. hates me. But maybe they're not listening to his podcast. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. No, okay, yeah, yes. yeah. I don't see any. I don't see any way they move off of him. But well, can you imagine the defensive front court of those two? I will say they're ripe for implosion. There's just like you look at the dynamics of that team, both on the court, like they, they're ripe for an implosion. They've cast their chips in on Marcus Smart. Like that was kind of weird. Zaire Williams might not even play anymore. They were heavily invested in him. And the other thing is, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year again, and he might, like he was really good last year. Imagine what happens Dicker. if he can stay on the floor more. He'll be super max eligible. Yeah. The no. Thunder don't have to worry about that if they're trading for him. The Grizzlies are not super maxing that guy. And that could like sow the seeds of discord there. And if just like John Morant has a bad season and they sort of flame out, do they have to look at a redirect? And the other name that I was even more reticent to say. Uh, one of my favorite players in the league, but like the team, they've cashed in all their chips. Basically, they are they could be woefully thin. This season could absolutely be a catastrophe for them, depending on the health of their guys. I'm just not convinced. Like 24 months from now, that Devin Booker is still a member of the Phoenix Suns. Ooh. Like I'm mm. just they haven't won at the level where he could just say he's going to be a lifelong member of that team. And if Kev- Kevin Durant's old. Bradley Beal's older and on this contract that provides them with very little flexibility. If they like, you know, this might be two years down the line where it's like, oh, they just got bounced in consecutive first rounds. And like KD if they got hurt the again or round, something. Yeah. If they get bounced in the first round this year, what's the move? Like DeAndre Ayton's trade value is like the Pacers would not have traded Miles Turner and Buddy Heald for DeAndre Ayton. It's like that absolutely would not have happened. And so what are you using DeAndre Ayton to get with your zero first round picks or real swaps that you could offer at this point? So if the Thunder, if we're talking about the Thunder like cashing in, cashing in, like and they're playing the long game, that's just a, that's just a name I'd be fascinated by. And that is so, a name that the Thunder were interested in in that draft before he was selected prior to them drafting. I did not know that. So there, look, we're already connecting the dots. It's, there it's you written go. in the stars. So we're already deep down the trade rabbit hole. So I got to ask one more question while we're here before we pop back up out of the hole. Out of context, that's a hell of a phrase. I apologize. Um, <laughs> my thought has always been, if the Thunder are going to do the push all the chips to the middle of the table, we're going in. This is a team that values flexibility overall. And so to me, that is trading for a guy that's on a rookie scale contract and you have control over restricted free agency and, and the next four to five years of that player after the rookie scale tr- contract, who is the name of a guy that's currently on a rookie scale deal that you feel like could fit and maybe has like a 10% chance 
of ever becoming available while they're on that contract. Yeah, that's like tough just because we never, who was the last player like that fit that bill that got moved on their rookie scale yeah. contract? Like, I don't know that there's a name. It doesn't really happen. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Is Kuminga disgusting or a great fit for you or somewhere in between? Yeah, I mean, it's somewhere in between. I don't know enough. Like, we don't know have enough information on him. Like, his defense can be all over the place. Sometimes he looks like, you know, Paul George 3.0 on offense, and other times it looks like, oh, this is like he's that. I don't, I don't even know. Like, that guy looks so uncoordinated, and he can't, like, hold on to the ball, or Steph's getting mad at him for where he's standing on the floor. It's like taking a flyer on someone like that. I guess I just don't, for this discussion, didn't consider him higher-end enough, even though there's, like, a lot of people that still really believe uh in what he could do so yeah i doubt that's a really tough one i don't i don't know devin vassell would be the one at this yeah. point i think uh the other one but i mean like that would be imminent because he's extended like Jaden mcdaniels would be really fun on this team and like what just happens if they're just like two and 13 or something and he hasn't signed an extension and he's headed a restricted free agency anyway i doubt it but like that would be like that would be a name if they value flexibility and just like guys who can play all these different positions so yeah, I don't like. Did you guys have actual names in mind aside from Kaminga? I have two names I wanted to throw your way. Uh, one of them I just don't think will ever be available. But the first one is Patrick Williams. Yeah, Trey Murphy. I like that. No, oh, I, they don't think they'd ever trade Trey Murphy. <laughs> I don't my either, God. But I would. But the, yes, the question. Agree. The question wasn't: Is it possible or impossible? Fair. Yeah, I said like 15 percent chance. Uh, my <laughs> other one, and things would just have to be like really bad and there would have to be some sort of disconnect with the front office. I just think if you put a front court together of Chet Holmgren and Scotty Barnes and you've got five guys on the floor in Shea, J-Dub, Giddy, Barnes, and Chet who can all move the ball, who can all handle the ball, bringing up the court, that would be like defensively, that'd just be absolutely disgusting. I just don't think it would ever get to a point where he would be traded unless some really nasty stuff goes down. Maybe the new coach doesn't work out with Darko. And um, I, I don't know what all would have to happen for that to ever come to fruition. But that's like my pipe dream. I mean, if they're really interested in Dame and like the Thunder get in there as a third team, like maybe Portland doesn't want scotty or wants draft equity instead that'd be interesting i guess i would just like i would have a lot of the same concerns about him as i would pascal siakam on this team is it just you're higher that scotty barnes is lower and uh, younger and like cheaper as now because he's worse on offense he's worse on defense than pascal siakam he's a worse shooter than pascal siakam and so like what intrigues you about him versus having siakam on this roster yeah mainly the youth yeah the youth and the upside uh it does become very challenging if Josh doesn't shoot it and you have Scotty on the team as well. Having two non-shooters out there really cramping the floor for Shea becomes a big liability. We're going to see what that looks like this season with Lou Dort and Josh Giddy out on the floor with Shea. And, and does that cramp the floor at all? Um, I don't know. I just The, the versatility of Scotty has always, and the size as well, he's, he's just massive. And I've always thought he might be a fun one, a fun fit. One more There's on this a chance topic. I'd be higher on Dyson Daniels than Scotty Ooh. Barnes on the Thunder, just because Dyson yeah, Daniels is another like, over. Yeah, he's ready as a as a passer and a defender. Like he is ready. The question yeah. is, look, you, and look, you have Chip England here, so just bet on everybody's jump shot. Is what I'll do. It's true. Um, my last one, and we can move on, just because the 
trade and roster shakeup conversation. So much fun. Um, you mentioned like, obviously Giannis would be good in Oklahoma city, but maybe don't love the fit next to Shea. Um, want the ball in Shea's hands a bunch. If no player is off limits, what, who is the perfect side piece or Robin or co-star, whatever you want to call it for SGA? Oh man. Who's like a, just a, it's like a nice wing. You know, what? I'm like too. I'm I'm too latched on to. They have to be like younger. Um, I think. I don't know if this guy's higher enough. I think Larry Marketing would be great mm, next to Shea. Fun one. It'd be awesome. Um, the other one, and I'd be concerned a little bit. Just given, I mean, like, no, it's Jason Tatum. Like, it is. Oh. It's Jason Tatum, and like that would be the guy for me. Or older. You imagine like Jimmy Butler and SGA together. Like you talk about dudes that would destroy you and annihilate you in huge games um he's just so old and oh. but well he's he's so old was he like 32 <laughs> or something? he's old relative to like an nba right. Yeah, right. 34 so those would be names but i, I think it would be I, I think it would be tatum like i just think like that would be that would be the guy be incredible i don't think you can go wrong with putting jason tatum on your team don't think you can really go wrong Let's take our next break of the night. On the other side, we are going to play a game of take it or leave it with Dan. We'll be right back. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. We're missing Taylor right now, so he can hop in whenever he gets back. Oh, right on cue. Here's Taylor again. Dan, take it or leave it is a staple here at the Uncontested. Super simple game. I'm going to read a phrase, and you are simply going to decide, are you taking it, meaning you think it's real, it'll happen, or are you leaving it? You you think it's fake, it's fictitious, it's out of this world, It's you don't think it would happen. Uh, it's pretty simple. So we'll go through... Uh, Dan will get to give his answer first, and then Nick and Taylor will also answer the same one on take it or leave it. And Dan, feel free to give us a little bit of context behind your answer. Sound I'm good? ready, maybe. Let's do it. First, take it or leave it, Dan. Poku is playing for another franchise by the end of the season. I'm going to say leave it. Sam Presti seems so smitten by him like during his uh, postseason presser that I just want to believe and especially they like to trend without like sometimes true bigs like poku can still soak up some of those minutes if he stays healthy i'm gonna say leave it he's still on the thunder by by season's end taylor you're muted 
Sorry, I am no longer muted. Uh, I also went leave it as well, but unfortunately, I think it's going to be because there's not a lot of interest from other teams, and I'm not sure about Poka's future heading into the offseason. So I'm not super optimistic. I, again, I agree with everything Dan said. Uh, I, I love Poku and, and, and wish that we could get the best version of Poku, but ultimately with the injuries i'm just i'm very concerned kind of disagree not not on the I, i'm also going to leave it i think he'll be an okc but i i think you'd be shocked if something came out or it was going around the league that poku was available for trade i think he'd have a lot of suitors like seven foot with what he can do he's not going to get he's not going to get you three first round picks but i think I he's going to get you four he's got some value on the market <laughs> <laughs> um poku those fake first round picks or those the ones you're talking about <laughs> Poku did uh, apparently roll his ankle yesterday in a workout in Oklahoma City. Will be reevaluated in six weeks. Puts him right at about the beginning of the regular season, probably about five games in. That is interesting because that is pushing past the extension deadline for Poku since he is extension eligible. They do not get an extension. He will go into restricted free agency next summer. We know the Thunder's history with restricted free agency. Uh, Guys typically don't get there it's an extension or a trade. So that will be something very interesting to watch moving forward, considering they're not going to get to see him throughout any of camp or preseason or the beginning of the season to make that decision. So uh, will that play a role? I don't know, uh, but just something interesting to keep an eye on. All right, Dan, next one, take it or leave it. Usman Jang is a legit rotation piece for the Thunder this season. When I say legit rotation piece, let's say, appears in 60-plus games and is like very clearly in the top like 8 to 10 rotation. I will take that a million times over. I think it's – I just think it's going to happen. Like I said before, I think we all look back where the people who don't follow the Thunder as intimately as you guys do look back on this season like, how, they just have Usman Jang too. Like I'm just – as long as he stays healthy, I'm just convinced that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think it comes down to two things. Can he make threes? Because he was not good shooting. Julia was actually a lot better. Um, so there's reason for optimism. The mechanics look fine. Um, but I think as he's he's had this huge growth spurt, not just in the past year, but even the last half decade, where he was like this guard that had a huge growth spurt, kept the guard skills. I just can't get over like he's grown so fast that I think he hasn't like grown into his feet, if that makes sense. Like he's pretty slow footed defending in space. And while I do think he can be a legitimate front court defender for him to get minutes on this thunder roster needs to slot in, I think a little bit more on the wing and, and defend in space on the perimeter, just a little slow right now. So if he can improve either one or both of those areas, absolutely. I don't have a lot to add. Uh, I take it as well. I'm just, I'm really excited about Oost this season. Uh, for reasons that I've talked a little bit about since summer league. And I think that we'll, I'll also probably say for our preseason annual bets podcast as well. And maybe a uh, hardwood, hardwood knocks here at, that we record, will record after this. I can't talk, um, but I agree. I, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm excited about this season. Nice. Dan, next one, take it or leave it. J-Dub is seen as the undisputed number two guy on the thunder by the end of the season. I will leave it. I It's not totally bonkers to assume that, but the growth we saw from Giddy, what Chet could be, I am. I don't think he will get there. But like I, 
if I haven't communicated how high I am on Usman Jang for this team, like I am that high on Usman Jang. That's I wouldn't incredible. predict it after the season. I think just the wealth of options, it's sort of like, are you betting against the field or are you going to bet on this one team to win the title? Like, I'm just going to take the field here and, and leave it. It's a great way to describe it. And this is, and Jacob, this is dub or, or us dub. No, dub. dub. Um, Double maybe I'm the just undisputed number two guy at the end of the year. Maybe I am a maniac. Maybe I'm way too high on dub. I already look at this roster and consider Jalen Williams the second best player on this team. So I looked at this and Jacob, I want you to give your answer on this one too. But I looked at this one and just was very, I, I literally typed something, deleted it, typed something again for this very segment or in this very question. I'm going to take it as well. And here's the thing. Like I'm, I'm very high on Giddy and, and the jump that he will hopefully make this season, which is why I consider this one. But man, Dub has put on size. Like he looks really good. We saw what he did in the first, like what, half of, of summer league that he played. I'm going to take first it. half of one game of summer league. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I, yeah, that's what I meant. I'm taking it. I think Dan probably has the right answer here. When you're given the option of one guy or the field, take the field. I mean, Chet could be insane, but would it shock me if at the end of the season next year, we're doing a August podcast about is J-Dub going to be a four-time or a six-time all-star? Um, <laughs> like, it wouldn't shock, like, he's got all the tools. He's an incredible finisher. He's physical. I think he's going to be awesome. I just... I think I'm going to take the field over. You mentioned the defense. His Dude, upside on that end is ridiculous. He's got a seven-three wingspan. Like it's nuts. If you dribble and within again, a ten-foot radius weight. of him, it's just thank you. Yeah, and he goes the other way. Dan, next one. Take it or leave it. OKC bypasses the play-in and gets a guaranteed playoff berth this season. God, this is such a murderous one to consider. I'm just gonna take it. Like, let's keep, let's try and get the honeymoon between me and Thunder fans going, <laughs> going back on. But I do look. The West is just there are two teams, Phoenix and Denver, that I think are just head and shoulders above everybody else. You could tell me literally almost any other order. Oh, the Thunder are third. The Pelicans are third, and I would just believe it, um, just because of the health questions in Golden State and with the Lakers and the Clippers, uh, the Pelicans having their own health questions. What is Minnesota this year? There's the West is so deep, but in like an uncertain sort of way. And then jaw missing games in Memphis. So can they finish sixth? I'm going to say, I'm going to take it. I think they could finish sixth or better. Agree completely. But for, for all the very same reasons, it is so unpredictable in the West. Yeah, I am with you. This is a unanimous Jacob, unless you disagree. I think we finally got one. We all agree on. I'm with you, Dan, take it or leave it. The thunder get two players on an all-rookie team. I keep forgetting, I keep forgetting about Micic. The 29-year-old rookie with braces. <laughs> he had braces? He yes, has braces. He has, yeah. it's amazing. Good for him. I'm convinced uh, the only reason he came to America is because maybe there's like better orthodontics in, in the OKC. United States. But they had to pay him so much because they were like, hey, like dental here is pretty expensive. So. Yeah. <laughs> Free healthcare? <laughs> That's a joke. Welcome to America, buddy. I'm going to leave it just because... I don't see when you're looking at like, so Wallace and Michich, like how are we fitting them into the rotation? And even if they're both playing, are they logging enough minutes? Because so much about 
all rookie, unless you're Andrew Nemhart, apparently is like looking at how many total minutes that you played. And so I will, I will leave it because I don't think either of them will like play enough to, to receive the consideration that they'll need. I also agree there. I believe it as well. I think we'll have many segments on this pod arguing whether or not to deserve it, but will two get it? I don't think so. Yeah. Dan bonus one on this one. Where does Chet finish in rookie of the year voting? I'm going to say top. If he finishes lower than third, I'll just be, I'll be shocked. I like, because there's Wemby just floating around out there, but then are the Spurs going to do some like Spurs voodoo where he only plays 21 minutes a game or whatever. So I wouldn't shock me if he won. Um, but based off what I just saw from him in summer league, it's just like, if he finishes worse than second, I'll be kind of, I won't be like floored. If he finishes lower than third, I'll be floored. I like it. All right. Last one, Dan, take it or leave it. SGA is top three in MVP voting this season. And just to clarify again, leave it is that like, you, you don't think it's going to happen. This one's tough. I'm going to have to go leave it just because I do think that one, we could see the offense maybe spread around a little bit more where he's perhaps not as critical or is being used as a diversion a little bit more. And I just think that the bar to which he's going to be held is going to be so much higher that if the Thunder are sixth, people aren't going to view that as impactful, even if he is as impactful or just as good or better than he was last year. I don't think people in the media are going to view it as favorably um, just because they already kind of been there, done that this past season, where that was more of a, a shell shock to the system. Anything Shea does now, we're almost going to be a little bit numb to unless the Thunder are that 50-win team that finishes third or whatever in the West. Yeah, the, the fact that you said it's tough, like speaks volumes to the jump he's made in the past 12 months. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to leave it for similar reasons. It's like the voter fatigue concept um, and expectations. It's all relative. For Shea to like get the same buzz he got last year, he would have to be, you know, a next, if he was that next level up, sure. He's going to be top three, but that would take, it would take a lot for him to really blow people's minds again this season. I think. What are his MVP odds? Do you guys know by any chance? I think he's a good question. He's 12th. I think he's 12th. We can pull that up live. I might, uh, that might be pretty good. I don't bet anymore. Agreed. Pretty good value. Just think of the same thing. That seems low. So we have huh. for this season Jokic one, Giannis two, Luka three, Embiid four, Tatum five, uh, KD, Steph, and then SGA and Booker are tied. So not, not as low as 12. This is one book though. But in that kind of eight to 12 range, Mitchell's okay. in there, Lillard's in there, Butler's in there. What's the payout hmm. on that though? Is that like 15 to one? Uh, 17 to one for Shea. It's not bad value. No. <laughs> all the podcast money for summer league next week next year (laughs) well last year last year um like halfway through the season we said should we put all of our podcast money on the thunder making the plan jacob's too scared to do it and we did conservative with my finances (laughs) we made a lot of money what were the odds on that i think it was at that point it was like even money you 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 get out what you put in so we double our money so um, if it was you gotta like have a, you gotta have a lot of thing. money to make a lot of money. So we wouldn't have made a lot of money, but we would have well, been twice as rich. Nick and yeah, I's fantasy like- basketball team 
put or we're considering putting something was it yeah. Shea MVP odds? Is that I what it was? What or it was. I can't remember. If you would have bet on Shea's MVP odds last year, I bet you sports books would have given you like quite a bit of money to buy oh, those back. Like right. for, sure. Yeah. for sure. Just for top five. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right, gentlemen, that's all I got. Dan, before we get out of here, will you plug where people can find where to listen to you, where to read you? where to contact you, where to follow you on social media, all that good stuff. They can read me at Bleacher Report. And just a note, I opted out of the NBA 100 exercise this year. So please do not get mad at me for where your favorite team's <laughs> player was ranked. Uh, follow me on Twitter until it dies at Dan Favalli, spelled exactly as it sounds. And look, if you like sub-mediocre basketball takes about the whole league or you want to learn more wrong takes about the other teams, in my totally unbiased opinion, the Hardwood Knox podcast, a really, really good podcast. You should go check that out, spelled exactly as it sounds. And it's available everywhere. YouTube, wherever you get your audio podcasts, the whole nine. And we're on TikTok because the kids matter. It's for the kids. We're on TikTok for the kids. You guys are actually great on TikTok. Like, we are very bad, and that falls on me. Um, you guys are doing a great job there. I really, actually secret. really enjoy it. You know the secret to getting more views and followers on TikTok is you need to post – content that you hate that like oh. it's not content i enjoy making or editing but i care about the audience and they seem to like it it's me and my co-host grant shoveling sometimes we're talking about 15 teams in 60 seconds because did you guys know long form content is considered anything longer than 30 seconds wow. on these platforms now so some of them are funny but like the stuff that i'm so invested in that i edit and put out i guarantee it'll flop every single time if i think it's good not doing numbers. So put out stuff you hate and you will grow. That's my advice to you. Well, ex external plug for you. Um, for anyone listening, if you want to be a smarter NBA fan and make your friends think you know everything about every NBA team, listen or watch Hardwood Knox because it's it's a lot of I mean, you you learn a ton in a, a short amount of time. So agree. Shout, shout out Meek Leak in the chat, by the way, who obviously oh, knows Meek's my man. brand. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. People say that in the comments and insult. Like one of them was like, "What? Who in the Blink One Eighty Two is this guy?" I'm like I'm just gonna take the W there. Like that works for me. It's a pretty. It's a compliment. New album uh, a month from today, I think. Dan is Thursday's right? the new song, so I'll be crying yeah. Yeah. all day, all day Thursday, September twenty first. Is it the original three dropping the album, or is is it still Skiba? Jacob, what is going on over there? How do you not know this? Yeah, see, it's the original three. God, I was rocking some Venom of the State like yesterday. Just reliving seventh grade, riding my skateboard. Like in my mind, I wasn't actually riding the skateboard, but that would have been I thought cool. you were riding your skateboard. Were you actually not listening to Enem of the State either? It was playing in your head and you were just dancing music. <laughs> yeah. Just daydreaming and all. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys make sure to follow, read, listen. Um, and then we will be on Hardwood Knocks as well. So if you want to hear our voices more along with Dan's, go check us out there as well. We will be back Sunday. We got some relatively important news to drop Sunday. So make sure you tune in uh, live on the YouTube page or download wherever you get your podcasts at. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you then. Until then, and as always, turn it up.